CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hello, everybody, and good to have you with us here on the Great America Show as we all work to preserve our national values of truth, justice, and the American way. There have been both political and military developments in the Russian invasion of Ukraine. In Ukraine, a Russian missile attack on a Ukrainian training and supply base near Lviv. 12 miles from the border with Poland. Reports are 35 killed, 130 wounded. And satellite imagery reveals massive destruction in a number of Ukrainian cities throughout Ukraine. And UN estimates of the number of Ukrainians who fled the country have risen to 2.6 million people. Those Russian missile attacks in Ukraine have been followed by Russian-allied Iran's missile strikes on the city of Erbil, the Kurdish capital in northeastern Iraq. A barrage of missiles hit in the vicinity of the U.S. consulate in Erbil, but wasn't hit. Importantly, Iran claimed responsibility for that missile attack, and this incident is clearly an escalation by the Iranians. No word in response from the Biden White House. President Biden and his vice president, Kamala Harris, are receiving stinging criticism of their handling of the Ukraine war while also getting low marks for every other major issue facing the nation. Runaway inflation, record high prices for gas and heating oil, confuse COVID policies and mandates, wide open borders and crossing our border in the past year, 2 million illegal immigrants who are receiving more taxpayer-paid benefits than working American families, and violent crime waves in cities across the country. Biden and his Marxist Dems are struggling in the polls, and they're resorting to desperate measures, whether it be their Soviet-inspired January 6th committee, which may be forced to reveal why the Dems turned down President Trump's offer of 10,000 National Guardsmen to assist D.C. police in order to provide security, or the radical Dem lawfare lawsuits trying to disqualify Republican candidates this year who challenged the 2020 election as insurrectionists, they call them. Ridiculous as the Wisconsin lawsuit is, a timely development in support of Senator Ron Johnson and two congressmen will assuredly support the Republicans. The special counsel investigator of that Wisconsin 2020 election has just called for the state of Wisconsin to decertify the election results in the state. Unless, of course, radical Dem lead attorney on this case, Mark Elias, wants to also attack the special counsel as an insurrectionist. A lot more to come in the days and weeks ahead on that case. The results of the Biden Marxist agenda and policies to this point are obvious in the recent polling, all of them in the direction of a Republican landslide in November, which may explain a lot the Democratic Party's desperation of late. Also at the root of that Democrat desperation is the increasing convincing evidence of the Dems' plot to overthrow Donald Trump that was created by Hillary Clinton's campaign in 2016 and persists to this day, and the ever-widening public knowledge that President Trump was simply right about just about everything. And they hate it when President Trump hits the campaign trail, as he did a few days ago in South Carolina. A huge rally, a huge turnout, and big campaign boost for the candidates he's endorsed in the upcoming midterms. And congressional candidate and great American Katie Arrington was on the stage with President Trump, and she joins us later in the show to talk politics. So let's talk polling and politics then and see where we're headed as a country. And joining us now is one of the country's leading Republican strategists and pollsters, Robert Cahaley of the Trafalgar Group. 
Good to have you with us here on the Great America Show, Robert. Describe the country's political condition for us. I would say their politics is full of cross currents, and they're the black and white picture we had before this war is getting blurry. Well, that's probably because we're starting to understand a little bit of a little better uh, the, the world we live in, don't you think? I think that understanding the ramifications uh, of what's been happening on this green energy front and having this kind of come home uh, and, and, cre- and watch the controversy and watch the power shifting that are a result is, is very awakening to people. Well, despite the polls, uh, soaring gas prices, Dems are telling you, uh, what, they want to buy electric cars? Uh, what, what is your read on, on the American public uh, with your newest poll that you've uh, surveyed? Well, you know, the cool thing about the electric cars is since they're all completely powered by solar, they don't depend on fossil fuels at all to run, right? Right, right. Yeah, because there's no such thing as electric <laughs> car having to be be charged up by something that came from fossil fuel. Um, <laughs> no, what what we're finding is that there is a frustration that we are here. There's a frustration that we're to the point where innocent people are being bombarded by Russia. Now, there's lots of different questions about how we got there and whether we would have gotten there had things gone differently in America. But there's a general frustration that we're there. Yeah. But but there's also a recognition, maybe it's the social media involved, maybe it's, it's the fact that these guys speak English, but certainly watching these people being so defensive of their home and for freedom is inspiring Americans. And what we see in the polls, what people are telling us day after day, they remind us of ourselves. That's what we would do. We would be fighting this hardest when I was trying to take our country. When in people's minds, whether this is accurate or not, is the perception that whether it was us going into uh, Iraq, us going into Afghanistan, the Taliban coming back in Afghanistan, that the military collapse and run. That is people's perception. Yep. And, and that the people just lay down. And so obviously it's more complicated than that. But for an average person who doesn't pay attention to global foreign policy, it just seems like these people are like us. And yeah, there are those on the left who try to say that it's some kind of a a, a, a racial or a religion thing, but it's more that we're seeing images and the public seeing images they can relate to of places, buildings, homes, town squares that look like what we're used to. Mm-hmm. And people have having broken hearts and broken bones speaking English telling us about it. And, and, it, and it is, is a, it's affecting the American public and it's, has driven a degree of concern and sympathy that, frankly, has united. No matter how you feel about how we got there, how we get out, get out of there, it has united people across political spectrums in sympathy for these people and wanting to help them. Yeah, it, does that extend to such things, for example, uh, as uh, the United States providing fighter jets, uh, even if they are the MiG twenty uh, nines from Poland? Uh, how strong a current is there that the United States should, at the very least, be supporting uh, a, a with a huge commitment uh, the people of Ukraine? Well, it's interesting. We 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 have some um, some a poll on that coming out tonight, but I can tell you right now that the support for for Poland giving the MiGs that the trained pilots already know how to fly and America backfilling and, and the place of those planes with F-16s is one of the highest numbers there were. And it is um, 
it is well over 65%. Wow. The public is very much for that. It is, it, and they do not understand that, that that's a problem. Um, and there is, there is one, one survey that we can, we can talk about that we're, we're actually going to kind of break on your show today. And Great. that's where the public is on the no fly zone and the American public on the idea of NATO uh, setting up a no-fly zone, which would stop the Russian attacks, even if that leads to a direct confrontation with the U.S. and Russia. And I do apologize. I think my neighbor's having their floors redone. Um, <laughs> Not at all. That is, that is, <laughs> so setting up a no-fly zone, uh, definitely yes, uh, 20.8, yes, 22.9. Uh, no, 21.2, and definitely no, 15.1. So that uh, is 20, I mean, 43.7 say yes for no fly, and that's uh, 36.3 say no. So that's pretty evenly about 19% are not sure. Not a majority, but a plurality, and uh, with, a, with a huge number of not sures, undecideds in that. Uh, I, I'm I'm frankly surprised by that number because uh, Vladimir Putin has told the United States in no uncertain terms, uh, attempting to uh, put a no-fly zone over Ukraine, uh, he would consider an act of war. Well, and we tried to make the question as fair as we could, which we said would stop we'd stop the um, Russian attacks, even if that means um, making a risking a direct confrontation between the U.S. and yeah. Russia. I don't think we could be any more. We weren't trying to act like it's just this, this, just this word that doesn't mean anything. Uh, but I think there there is a point when it, the people are like, they're tired of somebody's saber-rattling. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's, it's one of those things where you, a rational actor, you know, a rational person, which people are not, makes decisions just based on what's in their best interest. They actually analyze it and do things in their best interest. But in this world, we consider somebody that who makes decisions only that way calculating, and we don't like those people. But average people, especially Americans, let's take a situation. You have a bunch of gangbangers on a street corner, and, they're, and they start beating up a little old lady. There's six of them. You're all by yourself. You know, if you go over there, the chances of you getting beat up really bad or getting killed exist. But how long are you going to watch them beat up that little old lady? And I'm telling you, America's full of people who can't watch that little old lady get beat up very long. Well, when I looked at this uh, recent poll uh, that said, that revealed, uh, looking at both Democrats and Republicans, people identify them as such, that 60-plus percent of the Democrats surveyed, if Russia invaded, was the question, would you stand and fight or would you cut and run? 60% of the Democrats said they're going to cut and run. And about 60% of the Republicans said they're going to stay and fight. Uh, and that's a divide I don't think most people have thought about. And in, with your with your example there, I mean, this really is a troubling time, but it's good to know that at least this many people are willing uh, to risk uh, their lives, the country, uh, to do the right thing. Uh, now, on the other hand, how do we assess that risk? Absolutely. I mean, that, that, that's what it comes down to. The, like I said, these are these are emotions. These are complex emotions. But there is just something about America that feels like we have to stand up for what's right because no one else will if we don't. Yeah, now, on that poll you referenced, I haven't seen the one you referenced, Lou, but right. I tell you, I'd love to see a regional breakdown on that. <laughs> uh, it, it was the most recent Quinnipiac poll, by the way. The, the issue here to me is that in Ukraine, we have a, a, a NATO organization that Donald Trump taught us wasn't doing very much and certainly wasn't doing enough. And we're coming off of uh, a 20-year uh, horrible experience in Afghanistan. Uh, we had a nine-year horrible 
uh, experience in Iraq. And at some point, the American people have to be satisfied with the answer to the question, why, what is the U.S. interest in Iraq, in Afghanistan, or now uh, a European nation in which its neighbors will not defend their neighbor against a, a, the second most powerful military in the world, the Russian military? Uh, you're, you're thinking on that. Well, first of all, I think we need to reevaluate how we rank these militaries. Because, <laughs> right. um, you know, these, these guys may, may, may have may have be the uh, second most powerful uh, uh, nuclear force. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, at, to quote Louis Grizzard here, uh, my dear de- departed hero, uh, these guys could beat Vanderbilt. I mean, yeah. they're not very good. <laughs> right. But, it's it's pretty sad that they're that they're so disorganized and this and this has been seen to be kind of a paper tiger. But you know, Robert, it, it's what? the it's the inherent conflict that comes. I don't think that the European nations are as much afraid, but they're they're caught. I mean, this is the point that Trump made, and they and when he was sitting there in that in that speech at that the uh, the meeting with NATO, when he talked about. We're defending you from people that you're depending on. There you go. Like that's a problem. I mean, so I, I don't. What I what I, I can tell you, and I think there's a difference in NATO bloc countries. When I when I see what I see from the different groups, these countries, you know, your Poland, your Romania, your Hungary, like these guys know what it, what the what the Russians are bringing. They don't want none of it. They were there. They, part of there's the enough East. people alive who've been through this. Now, yeah. Europe, you know, they've been living in socialist paradise for a whole generation, so they don't really know what they could be missing. Yeah. I mean, you know, Western Europe has, has, has the luxury of not knowing what it's like to live in a totalitarian state, but these guys do. And I don't think, I think you'd, you'd be hard pressed to find if all the. If they just unleashed them, I don't. I don't think the people in Poland. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of people afraid to stand up over there. I, I, I think. Oh, I think that's true. I think that's true of the polls. I absolutely do. Uh, is it true of? If is it true of? For example, the the UK, uh, France. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. Germany. You know, they're going to lose half their energy. To your point earlier, it's a. Uh, you know, it's a very open bet to me as to exactly what Europe would do. And, and, and the idea that the United States would have to resort to a subterfuge, a, a public subterfuge, that is, Poland transfers its MiG-29s to uh, Ramstein Air Force Base uh, in, in Germany, and we get them to the Ukrainian pilots. Uh, you know, that makes us look like two things. One, uh, cowardly. And two, uh, really kind of confused about what we're doing. That isn't the way a superpower, the greatest constitutional republic in this world's history, operates. If we say to the Russians, you will not fly, then we back it up. And if we can't be that straightforward, that open, that direct, then we have no business uh, getting involved, in my opinion. What do you think? Oh, yeah. And and that's... uh, that's what, what, you know, we, we do a lot of open ends and listen to sure. you know, people volunteer other information. And one, one, of, one of the things that we're picking up is people are like, at, at what point does somebody stand up? I mean, everybody acts like, all right, go into a NATO country and that's a real line. Is it? I mean, if, if, if the hint that he'll drop a nuke, is it really? I mean, so... Let's say they roll, he rolls into Latvia. Are we are we sure that Europe is going to say no to to Russian oil and gas for the foreseeable future and risk a nuclear incident on the continent? Right. Are they giving them a piece of Latvia? I'm not sure what the answer to that is. It's when you start dealing with a a bully, they're going to push. And they sense weakness. And that is exactly what's happened. And so this idea of this, 
Putin has stuff. People are saying Putin has stuff to lose too. You know, I think there's an understanding that there's only so far that things can be pushed, and it is also a luxury that we're what two hundred eight years of in, invasion free in this country, as a foreign country coming on our borders trying to take us over. Right. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that we fight them before they get here. Well, the truth of that matter, that, that statement, though, too, Robert, is we've had two million people enter this country illegally in the past well, year. I, I said, that's why I threw a military in it, because I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew you were going to say that. That's why I said military in there. <laughs> I, I'm not so sure we know who, I, I, well, I'm pretty sure of this, but we don't know who the hell they were. And we don't know what their plans are. And they're not uh, interested in assimilating over the course of uh, time, uh, according to our history. Uh, in, and so I, I don't really know what to think about uh, 2 million people being in this country and a, a, an administration that really doesn't seem to give a damn about our borders, but sure wants to go after those Ukrainian borders. I'm sorry. They're not part of the Russian army. One thing's for sure. Those guys who come across the southern border aren't part of the Russian army because guess what? They got here. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, they got here because there's no resistance. Our border people are great. Yeah. yeah. But what we don't have are leaders. We don't have military leaders worth a damn because we haven't got, I mean, we've got military leaders who actually, one of them just wrote a, you know, wrote a book uh, 20 some odd years ago called The Long War. And that became official doctrine of the U.S. Army. And by God, they lived up to it. 10 years in Iraq, 20 years in Afghanistan, and we didn't get a damn thing for it. Uh, and we walked away with, uh, thanks to this president, uh, leaving Americans behind, our allies behind, $80 billion worth of equipment. And people sitting here now, they're asking you know big, important questions about what we're having for dinner tonight instead of what in the hell are we doing with Kamala Harris, who has a, uh, a nervous breakdown and giggles her way through a press conference in Poland as we are seeking to resolve a military conflict. I mean, where the hell did the Democratic Party find these people, and how in the world did they ever get into office? Well, well, well one of the things that, that is we, we have polled on, and we've got, we're going to be bringing different stuff off this most recent poll because there's so many I mean, it's just full of great questions and, and, and interesting answers. Is this idea that did the energy dependence cause this? And, and I think that's something Europe and um, Europe and America are having to come to grips with, is there is some environmental hypocrisy. No. Uh, that's going up. That's, no, but it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's insidious because... The American, we've also studied this number. The American public knows that that when you look at who's contributing pollution to the world, it ain't we're not the leader. It's China, it's Brazil, it's India. Yeah. So if you really want to clean up the planet, you probably ought to focus there. Yeah, but but that's the last place they're going to focus because the environmental uh, terrorists, they're terrorists if they're in this country or Europe. Uh, but if they go to Russia or they go to they go to China, they won't be throwing around a lot of uh, uh, loose language like uh, uh, you know you people are pigs and you're uh, chewing up all of the resources and polluting the planet. Uh, they won't be they won't be talking like that. At least if they do, they won't be talking long, right? Exactly. It, it's kind of like living in a it's kind of like living in a really nice neighborhood every you know they you got a nice homeowner association all these rules yeah and there's four or five houses that just man they've got they've brought junk cars in they got trash in the yard and it it doesn't matter how many times you mow your yard a week or how many times you pick you you comb every blade of grass you're not making that neighborhood look better to you deal with the houses that are really out of sync well, it's and that's it, what it is with the planet. And, and let, let's talk about the leadership of this country, because a number of questions I noticed really reflect on the leadership issues uh, here uh, as much as they do the, the specific questions that you've asked, which I think is very clever of you. But amongst those, the, the decision 
uh, to, to buy oil in Venezuela or Iran uh, or, or go to the Saudis and beg them. Apparently, the beg, beg more oil better uh, plan, uh, he's set aside for at least a while, but has sent emissaries to, uh, to uh, Venezuela, another dictatorship. Uh, what, what do people think about buying oil from those folks uh, instead of our neighbors, for example, Canada? This was actually one we released yesterday. Um, so we asked people, um, where, should, where should we replace the banned Russian oil from? Uh, 76.5 said U.S. oil producing states uh, like Texas, Pennsylvania, and others. 14.9 said Canada. 4.5 said Venezuela, 2.2 said Iran, and 1.9 said Saudi Arabia. So yeah. I think the American public is pretty clear that you got three-fourths want to get it from right here, and another 15% think it ought to be Canada. Yeah. So, so there's nobody confused about where we ought to be getting the, the oil we need. You know, we got we got two two kinds of folks here. We've got We've got citizens and we've got government and government thinks they're the leaders. But in point of fact, the American people know where we are. We know what we want. We seem to be, according to your polling, very clear eyed and clear headed about uh, the situation, whether it's in foreign policy, domestic policy, apology, uh, uh, or uh, <laughs> whether or not we want a no fly zone over Ukraine. It's it's really interesting to, to look at. That's the biggest thing that we're noticing. If you had to find a theme, that's what we're hearing, is that as highbrow as this sounds, the role of government is a big concern with average families. And and, and they don't think about it with the words, the role of the government, but what they, what they say is, all right, the stuff that the government should do keep my country safe from what's going on around the world and what, and keep my currency strong and, and keep commerce moving, protect Southern border, but we protect our, all borders. Make, uh, give, give us safety in our community and homes opportunity to start and grow businesses. The things that they want the government to do, it's failing at all of them. The things yeah. they don't want government to do, and that is sexualize and racialize everything, push a, a, a green agenda that causes sacrifice that isn't actually making a difference, Right. Pay people not to work, inflate the currency, balloon the debt. Like so, what they're saying is everything we don't want them to do is what they're doing, and they're not doing any of what we want them to do. Well, you know, like, he, when you're not doing the things that you exist to do well, you should change what you're doing. For example, I mentioned Kamala Harris. I mentioned Joe Biden. Those are two of the last people on this planet that I would want to have in the top two offices of this country's government. They are amongst the very last people in the entire country that I would want to follow into war. Uh, they are amongst the very last people I want to see on television, to tell you the truth. Uh, it's the elites in this country have lost their minds because they're in office because the elites know they can manage them, that they are nothing more than puppets, and that the cabal that runs this country, and we'll get into the definition of uh, cabal and who are the members, but the fact is we're in a terrible situation. You talked about the we're no longer energy independent. We haven't been independent of China for a very long time. We need, we need China for all. I, I don't know how many people would die if China cut off all of our pharmaceuticals, uh, all of our uh, pharmaceutical ingredients that are used, along with India, we are a nation that is this. And we're talking about the number one uh, 
enemy of the United States in China. China killed a million Americans and sickened more than half the nation, and there was no accounting for it. And I say to you, the reason is not because we're afraid of them militarily, not for that reason, not because we don't want to hold them accountable, but because we're scared to death of not getting our, our Apple phones, we're scared to death of not getting our drugs, our pharmaceuticals. Uh, we don't mind, by the way, if you send your fentanyl to this country, uh, communist China, uh, because, you know, 100,000 overdoses a year are accredited to uh, fentanyl, we'll just call collateral damage. I mean, this is an appalling situation, and our leaders and both parties are running from that reality, in my opinion, Robert. There's no question. And it, it the, the public... Again, this is a this is a bipartisan thing. There is not any confusion among Democrats and Republicans that decoupling from China is the right answer. Yeah, there's not confusion on this issue, and it it, it is a matter of how. And it wasn't Democrats alone. The people know that Republicans and Democrats got us into this boat. You know, the the the, the Mitt Romney. Uh, Job shippers were just as guilty as some of the as many of the Democrat leaders were. You know the diesel robber barons that didn't care anything that bankrupt a small town so they can make something for a nickel cheaper in China. Like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of blame on both sides, uh, no uh, but it it has got to be dealt with. It's got to be dealt with. I I and you know I'd love to see you poll on that on that uh, that issue. Uh, of dependency in America and the degree to which it's shaping our foreign policy and our very culture. Because I, I truly believe there's a reason that the Republican Party, party has gutless leadership, you know, and, and because uh, they are afraid of their great uh, donors and sponsors, all of whom are uh, big U.S. multinationals and Wall Street, who are right now directing trillions of dollars to China because their masters tell them to so that they can have their share of the profits uh, at the expense uh, of, uh, of American citizens. The middle class in this country and those who aspire to it are getting killed, Robert. Uh, Jim DeMint wrote a wonderful editorial in The Federalist this week in which uh, he talked about the old ways of the Republican Party are no longer sufficient because these these citizens, the middle class and those who are working men and women and their families, they want this fixed. They want this country to be to have straight leaders, uh, honest leaders, direct leaders. And they've got in Mitch McConnell and uh, McCarthy, you know, they've got two sops who will do whatever the heck their uh, their their donor class buddies tell them to do. It, in that, the Republican Party has not changed a whit. And this, and what's at risk here is the outcome of this election uh, in November, our midterm elections. Uh, it's, it's a time to start listening to the people. Uh, I've always believed in markets and finance and economics, the Federal Reserve. Their job is to follow markets, not to lead markets. And by the way, it would be a great thing for our, our leaders, newly humbled, uh, to do as well. Follow the American people for a while, because trying to lead them sure hasn't worked out for the country. Your thoughts? Listen to them. Just listen. I mean, that's the thing is, it's so frustrating to me, is these, these guys have pollsters. That they know where people stand. Uh, now, granted, we have a lot of agenda-driven pollsters who really, you know, are, who are getting paid by big corporations and telling leaders things that don't actually exist, don't represent where people feel. But the fact is, if you're a senator representative, just spend some time in your district. Go to the grocery store, for God's sake. You're going to figure out what you need to be doing. Right. It's not confusing. There is an American consensus on they want a reasonable cost to fill up their car full of gas. They want to not have to break the bank to go to the grocery store. They they want the their dollar to not con continue to be worth less, and they look at things like paying people not to work and basically waiving everybody's rent for a year 
including those who didn't need it and giving out all this government money to, to people who so many have used it. And they're like, this is how we got in this mess. And they yeah. know it. And then, uh, but it, we don't have the money to pay to, to, to pay the police. You know, yeah. I mean, like, it, it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make a lick of sense. And the trillions that we've uh, wasted, uh, and now uh, the radical Dems, the Marxist Democratic Party, uh, is trying to destroy this country through the debt that they're creating. Uh, and at the same time, driving hyperinflation that we're, we're only a few percentage points away from being at hyperinflation in this country. And with that, frankly, that will, that will break the back uh, of working men and women in this country and, uh, and damn both parties for not getting after it. I mean, I really, I, our middle class can't, shouldn't have to put up with this. They shouldn't have to contend with leaders who don't give enough of a damn to fix what's wrong and what is obviously wrong in this country. And the first thing that's wrong are the leaders we've chosen. With, without Donald Trump to lead the Republican Party, it's nothing more than a hollow uh, fundraising machine at the RNC. It's got to be about his values, America first, making and keeping America great, and devil take the hindmost. Uh, he taught us to speak directly and plainly uh, and to insist on tax cuts when we mean tax cuts, to, uh, to insist on hiring Americans first, uh, buying American. And yes, get your damn manufacturing plants back here because the companies didn't do that. I, there was a silly article today uh, talking about uh, <laughs> the idea of, of uh, the of the CEOs and the leaders of big business finally getting used to the idea they may have to bring these uh, jobs home, these plants home. But you know what? The hell with those CEOs and those business leaders who carried out labor arbitrage with the cheapest labor markets in the world and broke the backs of 7 million Americans who lost their jobs to outsourcing to those foreign markets. And the gutless corporate media won't tell the story, won't honestly report the facts. And the facts are that the AP story on those brave CEOs who are now recognizing they should bring those jobs home, they've been cowards, they've exploited, and they have done so at the expense of the national interest and the lives of those men and women who lost their jobs and their families. It's a, it's a sin, it's a shame, and we've got to at least talk straight about it so we don't ever repeat it. There's no question about it. And it's a perfect place to add back in that environmental hypocrisy because if you really care about the environment, then a factory, any factory, I don't care what they're making that's located in the continental United States, is going to pollute less making that item than it would in China. So don't tell me you care about the environment. Yeah. When you let that factory get built in a place that pollutes more. That environmental hypocrisy. Yeah, it is. And you know, it's it's it actually extends from there because every one of those super carriers, those ships carrying those containers with all those goods from principally China, Southeast Asia to this country, uh, the European car makers uh, from Japan, uh all of those tankers are spewing petrochemicals into the planet at a rate that you would, you know, it's just uh, exponential, exponential pollution that's resulting. And the carbon footprint is massive. And it takes a very elemental mind to understand this. And I bring such an elemental mind to it. It can't possibly be as efficient to produce all of those goods uh, thousands of miles away, then transport it all the way to the United States, then transport it throughout the United States. It can't possibly be as efficient as building those factories in every region of this country and transporting them to those stores. It is Globalization is bad for business. Globalization has proved to be a disaster. It's created dependency in all of the wrong places, in our defense structure, uh, in our uh, pharmaceutical and medical equipment structure, uh, even automobiles that were dependent on than every other part of the planet for parts. We are mad to continue this experiment because financially 
it is extraordinarily rewarding to the market-based businesses and financial organizations, but it tears apart this society. And if you start the mark at where we started globalization and labor arbitrage, outsourcing jobs, offshoring plants, that's when this country went into sharp and significant decline and created greater and greater dependency that is distorting everything about public policy in this great nation. Uh, I, you know, Robert, I just, it's, it's sobering uh, to see uh, the, the results of your polling and to see what uh, the American people will stand up. I have to say, it makes me proud to be one of the folks that you're surveying, not literally, but to be a citizen along with those who are giving these results. I am delighted uh, to see the results and I'm delighted to have an opportunity to talk with you. Uh, we always give you and all our guests the last word. So if you will, sir. Well, I, I think what we're seeing is a recognition from average people that just how out of touch the Democrat party has become. And, you know, and this was, this, the Democrat party used to be a party where someone like a, a Kirsten Cinema, a Joe Manchin, maybe was on the right of, of their spectrum, but wasn't unwelcome. And so it, they have moved so far to sh such an agenda and they have let the, the leftmost element dominate their party so much that they're going to see the cost of that. Because when you forget what average Americans care about and you focus on all this stuff that they don't, that, you know, average Americans, they've always wanted the same thing. They want a better life for their kids than they had. They, 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 want, they want to work hard. They want to play by the rules. And they want to be able to provide. And when you get them, when you when you tell them you have to live with crazy gas prices, you have to, you have to live with more fentanyl and and overdoses in your community than you've ever seen. You have you have to live with what's happening uh, in, in in your communities with uh, public safety falling apart. When you have you have to live with all that because we're focused on white rage in the military and transgender bath, you know, there comes a point where people are like, wait a minute, don't I have a say so? And I think we're at that moment. We're at that moment where people are saying, wait a minute, shouldn't this government reflect what I want? I think Hell it is. Yes. And, and the, you know, the only thing I think that could happen that it, that is of concern is, like I said, this whole war thing is muddled and muddied things. And, um, you know, six months ago, I was like, oh, Republicans are going to have a landslide. Well, first of all, never underestimate the Republican Party's ability to screw up a good thing. And second, they're not, the Democrats aren't stupid. They're not stupid at all. But sometimes some of the things they do seem like that. But there's a lot of very strong strategic people. And they are trying to figure out a way back and using this war and blaming some of these problems on that are make are going to be somewhat effective in distracting people. We've seen an uptick in Biden's approval. Uh, you know, he's, he's certainly not back, but it's, it is, it is reality that he's moved up a little bit in the last few weeks and we, people need to be ever vigilant and yeah. do not get overconfident. Yeah, and, and never, ever underestimate uh, the dogged determination of the Democrats to hold on the, the, to the power uh, that they have, no matter how they uh, uh, manage to get that power. Uh, Robert, thanks so much. We appreciate it. It's uh, great talking with you. Uh, and, and God bless you for being here and for all that you do. We certainly appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you the next time. Sounds good, and I appreciate it, and uh, hope to talk to y'all again soon. You got a deal. Thank you, sir. Uh, Robert yes. Cahaley of the Trafalgar Group, uh, a great American and uh, a great strategist and pollster uh, to boot. Robert Cahaley, 
We want to invite you to sign up for our Great America Show Advisory and Newsletter. Simply go to ludobs.com, that's ludobs.com, and click on the email newsletter button. It's as simple as that. And we'll send you our advisories and alerts as well as our weekly newsletter. I don't want to overstate anything, but I'm pretty sure you will absolutely sense at least a small positive change in your world outlook. We invite you to join us and stay in touch. Now we have with us on the Great America Show, as the world watches all that is happening in Ukraine's fight to defend against the invading Russians, we have with us Katie Arrington, a Republican candidate in South Carolina's first congressional district, who's been endorsed by President Trump, who's worked in the Department of Defense. She is a wife and mother, a mother of three. Katie is running in the primary election against the incumbent Republican Congresswoman Nancy Mace, who, for criticizing Donald Trump in the January 6th rally, has a considerable fight on her hands. Katie is a conservative pro-Trump candidate. It's good to have you here on The Great America Show. Welcome, Katie. Thank you, Mr. Dobbs. And it's uh, been a minute since we've spoken. Um, I, in 2018, you uh, were one of the first people I spoke to after a horrendous accident. And uh, you are truly one of the great American uh, good men, gentlemen, and uh, good to be here today and looking forward to talking. Well, uh, thank you for that. And let's uh, let's get to it then. Uh, you're You're running against an incumbent Republican. Tell us how it came to be. So nothing new there, right? I'm the I'm the the sweet lady that took Mark Sanford out. So you know, you're welcome, America. Um, <laughs> and you know, I was uh, you know I voted for Nancy Mace in the 2020 election um, after I lost um, after being off the campaign trail after that accident in 2018. Um, I went to work in the Pentagon. Uh, I went as a highly qualified expert in cybersecurity, uh, became a SES, a senior executive service member, um, and was the chief information security officer for acquisition and sustainment. So I was working, uh, you know, as I said in my, you know, I, I owe, I owe, so off to serve, I go. Um, but I was dismayed um, first that uh, Ms. Mace uh, decided to certify the votes. I, I don't know why she did that. They should have gone back to all the states to do a deep forensic audit, um, then to blame President Trump. And, you know, what really crooks me on that that whole you know speech on the floor was the fact that she said that the actions of a few people desecrated four years of the greatest presidency I think our nation has ever seen. Um, and then she continually... Uh, that's, you know, a, that's some pretty fancy wordsmithing to, to, uh, <laughs> to oh, no, blend those two opposite thoughts uh, together yes. in such a fashion. And then she went as far as to say, you know, um, as as somebody who voted for, I want to be the face of the the new Republican Party. Well, the thing is, Miss Mace, we didn't send you up there to be at the face of the Republican Party. We sent you to be the backbone of conservatism. And uh, then she went, you know, and continued down this liberal trail of tears, um, you know, uh, siding with the Democrats to subpoena Steve Bannon. That would be like subpoenaing you, sir. Um, you're you're allowed your First Amendment right. Um, and she basically sold out, you know, the conservative movement. Um, she's about legalizing marijuana. She's about saving baby pandas from going to China. Um, she isn't prioritizing anything that we need in the first congressional district um, and neither the nation, you know, inflation, gas prices, national security and border security, voter integrity. She's not paying attention to any of those. So I, I resigned from the DOD after a long fight of the, the deep state uh, who went after me, um, got my clearance back. Um, there was a whole episode there after Biden came in and uh, decided I was going to run uh, because we need a, a strong conservative in, in 2022 and in 2024. Yeah, we need a lot of them, Katie, as you know. We need Amen, a lot of them. Brother. We've got, uh, I think, the principal threat to the Republican Party is its rhino leadership. And then, secondarily, uh, it's rhino membership uh, in the House of Representatives. Uh, there seems to be uh, a fairly even balance, uh, at least in the membership, between uh, about 50 conservatives, uh, strong, reliable conservatives in the House uh, Republican conference, and 50 uh, rhinos uh, mm -hmm. in that conference. Uh, we need those rhinos to leave as soon as possible because frankly, the, the party is being poorly served and to have the same leadership 
That is Kevin McCarthy in the House and Mitch McConnell is a very difficult chore to uh, it's a very difficult chore to turn the, the, the tide uh, with uh, those two people in leadership positions. I'm not going to ask you to get into that, but I do want to talk to you about the importance of being pro-Trump, uh, being America first, and what that means to your candidacy and what it means to the way in which you would represent the people of the first district. So uh, being, you know, America first pro-Trump, you know, endorsed by President Trump, and he didn't endorse me because he, you know, here, you know, everybody wants to say, oh, he did it because he hates Nancy Mace. Um, no, I mean, I served under the Trump administration in the Pentagon. Um, I led the Department of Defense effort on uh, the, the COVID supply chain, and I led the FEMA HHS effort on acceleration, the ventilators, uh, getting the, the, you know, the the large amounts of PPE into the country. He saw me working night and day on that for months and months and months. And then when Operation Warp Speed came along, I was you know, on the team in charge of cybersecurity to make sure that our companies that were developing the, 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 the vaccine were secure. Um, so President Trump endorsed me because I'm a fighter and, and that I'm a hard worker and that I don't get caught up in the fray, right? That's the thing that we need. Rhinos get all caught up in the fray. Um, they forget what they're supposed to do. You give me a job, I get my job done. Um, Nancy Mace uh, can't read a room if her life depended on it. Um, she thought that as soon as President Trump was out of office, that he would be a forgotten man in history. And um, mm. that is the, the most untrue statement. I look at people like, you know, Nancy Mace, Nikki Haley, Mick Mulvaney. Um, they all got famous off of Trump. They all oh. got a voice because of Trump. And then as soon as they had an opportunity to, you know, get the spotlight for themselves, they take it. And that to me is sad, right? This is supposed to be hey, Trump. Hey, Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, hey, that's okay. I, I hate to interrupt, but I just want to kind of pause and let everybody think about something for just a moment. Those those names that you mentioned, uh, what have they ever done? Amen. What, what is their what is their claim to uh, celebrity and to public acclaim? Uh, I frankly can't think of a thing. Uh, can you? No, I mean, Nikki Haley went to the UN and the only reason why she got any face time on, on, you know, global media is because she had the greatest president of all time backing her up. Um, and, and then to turn on him because, you know, January 6th, her and Mick Mulvaney, I mean, Mick Mulvaney, um, for all intents purposes, you know, he, he was at the acting uh, chief of staff for Trump and he he was a, you know, I worked in the White House with them and it, he was not an easy person to work with. He he got escorted out to become the ambassador, I think, of Northern Ireland. Um, and then he quit promptly on January 6th. Um, you know, it's it's sad to see people like that. Nancy Mace is right in that crowd, right? I, Donald J. Trump, didn't go to Washington as a politician. All those people I named are, are, are career politicians, right? He wasn't. He doesn't want to be. I don't want to be. Servant leadership is what it should be about. Um, I'm term limiting myself. I'm donating, uh, you know, a good portion of my salary to uh, charities in my, my district because I don't need the money. I'm not going there to get rich. I'm, I'm well off. Thank you very much. And I don't think we should have career politicians to turn into rhinos. So I'm denying the uh, congressional uh, health care and, and retirement because that's what that's what makes a rhino. Right. When you're there for so long, you get so embedded with, you know, the a the the pomp and the circumstance of the office, but you don't see the forest for the trees anymore. You forget why you were sent there in the first place. So I think yeah, all I, those people are a sham. Yeah, I, I would like to believe that's that's a definition of a rhino, and I think it is certainly one. But I think that you're talking about a lot of people who haven't got the courage to be what they are in front of the public, and that is uh, a Democrat. Uh, when I when I watch these uh, these folks, uh, the way they behave, whether they're mean a jackass. Sorry, well, <laughs> that's one word that I think would apply vividly and correctly. But I I also think it's it's duplicitous, it's deceitful and dishonest what they do, uh, and uh, they don't represent the people of their district by being uh, all of those things. It's a it's a position and a job of trust. Uh, and trust means having absolute faith that the other person is uh, is honest. 
And I don't see anything honest about what the rhinos are doing. And they're certainly not serving the national interest uh, when they follow the values they do. Yeah, give me a give me a, a a sense what you're thinking right now, as we watch what is happening in Ukraine, the 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 brave defense of Ukraine by those people, the, the Ukrainian military has done amazingly up against the one of the strongest militaries in all the world, and the civilian resistance and President Zelensky, uh, who has rallied. Uh, all of the people of Ukraine and indeed the world. Can't, so a just I wish they had the Second Amendment, right? Life would be a lot easier if they had the Second Amendment in Ukraine. But it, as as somebody in the Department of Defense that that watched over this, um, and you know, we would constantly war game. You know, Putin invading uh, Ukraine and China invading Taiwan. Um, I don't think anybody saw the the passion um, uh, that the Ukrainian people have for their country and defending it. So I'm in awe. I think it's one of the most beautiful things in the world where you see people who are willing to sacrifice everything to protect their homeland. And we as Americans, uh, we take for granted that, you know, we haven't been attacked on our shores uh, aside from 9-11. But those people are amazing. And and that truly is one of the most inspiring things I've seen in my lifetime. Um, I think that beautiful older woman standing on the border of Russia and Ukraine throwing sunflower seeds on Russian soldiers and saying to them, where your body lies, I hope flowers grow. Um, That it's just amazing. Uh, And for a president to say, don't come get me, leave me. I'm, I'm locking arm with my, with my men. Um, it's so like our founding fathers and it's, it's breathtaking. It's beautiful. Um, and if nothing else, it should show Americans, you should be damn proud of where you live right now. All of us should have that same fight in us for our country. And they should be concerned that, you know, that things like that easily could happen to us. Look what happened in Canada. Um, and, and we need to be on guard. But I think the Ukrainian people are, are they should win the Nobel Peace Prize this year, yeah. the entire country. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I hope that this ends as well as it appears right now. But the Russians have immense might, uh, a, a, a leader who is willing to put his nuclear forces on high alert uh, and to, to try to crush uh, the Ukrainian people who have been so valiant in defending their their nation, uh, you know, I I I pray to God that uh, he defends Ukraine and the Ukrainians against uh, this monster uh, and his his sidekick Xi Jinping in their strategic oh. partnership. So, uh, one of ahead. the things that I you know as a cyber uh, person, cyber SME. I can tell you, um, the white hat hackers, uh, it's great when you have the rest of the world saying this is not right. Um, it was beautiful artwork. Um, and, and I will tell you, it is truly artwork, these masters that shut down the Kremlin a few days ago. Um, I spoke fluently and, and feverishly in the Department of Defense for three plus years that the next war may start in a kinetic fashion, but it's going to end in a cyber fashion. Um, Putin is no, no, you know, this isn't new to him. Um, when, you know, Bush was in, in his view, a lame duck president in 2008, when Obama was being elected, um, he did this to the nation state of Georgia. Um, he did it again in 2014. So Putin has a history of this. This is nothing new. Um, it's just his newest move. Um, I would say that right now we U.S. citizens have more on our side than, than you realize to help the Ukrainian people, U.S. Cybercom, the 10th fleet. Um, you know, Putin has got his guys on the ground, but he also has cyber warriors across the world trying to take him out left and right. And, you know, thank God for those people that are doing the right things. It would be really nice if, if our European, you know, allied partners uh, got a backbone, uh, would stop buying, you know, natural gas. Uh, President Trump called Germany out, you know, I think in 2019 and said, you're, you're buying 70% of your natural gas from Russia. Do you think that's a bad idea? So our sanctions 
when it comes to Russia are a day late and a dollar short, right? He's he's getting all the money he needs through the natural gas. I mean, shame on Biden for shutting down the Keystone pipeline. Shame on Biden for not being more aggressive in defending um, our, our partners around the world and, you know, standing up to Putin and defending the people like Ukraine. Um, he could have done a hell of a lot more, um, but he is the weakest president in U.S. history, um, coming in on the tails of the strongest president in U.S. history. And look at Putin's hit time, you know, look over the record, right? The only time Putin didn't try something was under Trump's administration. And that should ring loud and clear with Americans. Yeah, the president, uh, President uh, Trump pointing that out uh, yesterday, saying point blank, it, this is not an accident when hmm. I was president that we didn't hear from Kim Jong-un, we didn't hear from China, and we didn't hear uh, from Russia. And to hear the, the propaganda about, well, you know, this uh, Biden has really done his very best and so forth. I mean, Biden wasn't even in the White House as, as uh, Putin was raising his uh, nuclear forces to high alert. Uh, it, it, it is appalling what's happening, but I'll tell you something that I have, and I never thought I'd say this. I feel strongly that Biden receding from the public uh, Western stage right now and uh, giving the Europeans their head to, to, to drive forward, to lead on Ukraine is the smartest and best thing that uh, we could have asked for because you mentioned Germany. Germany has now reversed themselves and are standing up. They are shipping weapons and arms and uh, money to Ukraine. They, this, the Swiss, for crying out loud, who are historically neutral, have, <laughs> have suddenly found a heart and a spine and are saying point blank, we support Ukraine and we will give you aid and assistance in every way possible. That is a major statement. And the European yep. Union to not wait on Boris Johnson or Olaf Schaun uh, in Germany or whomever. Uh, the, the reality is the European Union is acting with strength. And that is uh, that means that there won't be a need for American troops. There won't be a need for uh, American forces, uh, certainly on the ground because the Europeans are now for the first time in three quarters of a century standing up for themselves instead of depending upon the United States. I see that as a wonderful development. Uh, Absolutely. Period. And we don't need to be the world's policemen. I mean, that's never the role of the United States. I mean, we, you know, our, you know, America first. And, you know, I love to use the analogy, Lou, you know, when you get on the plane, the flight attendant who's there to protect your safety in the event of an emergency, you know, when the oxygen mask comes on, you put it on yourself first before you help others. And, uh, you know, I, I would be, uh, you know, the blood of 13 servicemen is on uh, Biden's hands because I'm telling you, I helped write the plan to, to withdraw out of Afghanistan. And what he did, it wasn't the plan. All you had to do was open the book. It's really easy. Um, he's, he has no leadership, no diplomacy. No one respects him. Um, so it's best that he goes back to the basement um, and stays there. Let Europe take care of Europe. We should supply them with as much uh, military support, not by bodies, but by cyber, by weapons, whatever they need to defend themselves. We should absolutely be there. But as you're right, you know, uh, Trump warned Europeans, don't get in bed with, with Putin. Don't get so far involved with him that you can't exist without him because he will turn on you. And he did. Um, and it's, you know, finally- Aided, aided in my opinion, by- the weakness of Biden oh, uh, and the incompetence and aptitude of his entire administration. So, Lou, uh, you, uh, go on that, right? And I'm sorry, I don't mean to take your time, but the, you know what? The, the gentleman who's in charge of the industrial base right now, right? The, the guy that I reported to when I stayed through Biden, his sole credibility to being there when he introduced himself was I'm the first openly gay Latino indigenous deputy assistant secretary the department of ever has ever had. I said, so what's your experience, sir? I wrote a really great speech for Barack Obama. That literally is how the Biden administration picks people to take over our department of defense. We are in a, in a hot, hot mess because we have the weakest president, the weakest administration, the weakest foreign policy, 
And they have gone, it literally, if, if there couldn't be a book on how to derail a great economy, a great country, you know, Biden's like reading page by page and you got to give it to Barack Obama in this one thing, right? Remember what Barack said about Biden? Never underestimate Joe's ability to blank to, things up. To, yep, to, to screw things up, I believe is a paraphrase. <laughs> uh, and uh, Bob Gates, the, the defense secretary for both Republican and Democratic presidents, uh, said of Joe Biden that on that he has not been right on a single foreign policy issue in what then was 40 years. It's now added a few years to it. But well, that, was the, that was the quote. Uh, you know, we're going to, Kitty, it's great to talk with you. I thank you for being with us. Uh, we're going to sum it up here if we can. We always give our guests the, the last uh, uh, succinct concluding uh, uh, word, and it is your time. Here you go. Uh so it, um, for all of your listeners, um, I am running against a rhino. I need your help. Um, my website is katie4sc.com. That's katie4sc.com. Um, I need help. Uh, sadly, you know, uh, to get the right people in office, it's going to take, uh, and I know times are tough for everybody with all the, the Biden inflation, but we need donations. We need your support and you need to get the word out that there are good conservatives running for office. Um, and the last thing that I'll leave you with, Mr. Dobbs, is that I don't know why in the world anybody would think somebody who has spent 47 years making the problems that exist today, Joe Biden, should be president. We should never in, in, uh, vote uh, either party for somebody who's been there so long, Mitch McConnell, uh, Joe Biden, all of them, you know, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, they all need to go. Um, we need to have some new blood in Washington, uh, drain the swamp. And I ask your support of your, your listeners and for you, sir, to get behind me and help drain that swamp. Sounds like a plan to me. Katie, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it so much. We wish you all of the best in your race there in the first district of South Carolina. And again, Katie, that's, uh, give us that uh, website URL one more time. Sure. It's katieforsc.com. That's katie4sc.com. And Lou, to one of the kindest, most gentle um, gentlemen um, on, on the airwaves, thank you for your time today, sir. It is, I know it's very uh, treasured, and I'm grateful that you extended the opportunity for me to speak. Well, it's great to have you here. We thank you so much. Appreciate no it. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. God, bless you. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Katie Arrington, she's a great American. And tomorrow we'll have with us President Trump's former chief of staff, a man in the crosshairs of the radical dim Soviet-style January 6th committee. And also joining us, Colonel Doug McGregor on the latest developments in the Russia war on Ukraine. That's tomorrow here on The Great America Show. Please join us. Until then, God bless you and God bless America. Join us again tomorrow for the Great America podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds.